Totally Football Show, European edition. Against a backdrop of drama across the continent, the Champions League returns. We're here with the big questions, like will Red Star Tuesday night be Spurs delight? And will draw in Amsterdam improve Chelsea's mood? We look ahead to all the key fixtures and fill you in on the latest from the leagues in the Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. Hey everybody, here today with us on your Totally Football Show, brackets European edition, close brackets, are Raphael Honigstein. Hello. Julian Laurent. Bonjour, James. And James Horncastle. Good day to you, Jimbo. No Alvaro Romeo today because he's with his partner because she's just produced a little Alvaro Romeo. Congratulations. Congratulations from us all here, Alvaro. Best wishes to all. He's missing out on an important edition of the Totally Football Show. Do you think he'll go with a double first name? Uh, so it'd be like Romeo, Romeo, a little bit like with Neville, Neville. I oh, can't say, was, but next time he's in, that'll be Let's find out. among the first questions. <laughs> As I say, he's missing a big edition of the Totally Football Show, brackets, European edition, closed brackets, because there's all sorts going on. Champions League, yes, that's right, oh, yeah. but also other big stories. Like, for example, what's hitting the headlines, dominating the headlines in Italy, James? Yeah, I mean, we've had you know, people parachuting into games. Yep. We've had Nyingaland scoring an oh, absolute oh, screamer as Cagliari go, go fourth in their bid to get Champions League football in their centenary year. Rafa, what's all over the front pages in Germany? Well, the fact that the table is really, really crowded. Yeah. It's uh, half the, the league literally are in the title race, James. And also, of course, another very disappointing result for Bayern Munich. Crikey. We'll hear more about that later on. Jules? The very hostile debut for Rudy Garcia yes. at Lyon by his own, his own fans, yeah. uh, although he gives debut to the latest prodigy from the academy. Mm. And Angel Di Maria with one of the goals of the season for PSG on Friday at Nice. La radio española Cadena Ser ha filtrado que el comité de competición de la Federación Española suspendió el clásico entre el Barcelona y el Real Madrid. Possibly the biggest story of all right now, though, uh, hails from Spain, or not quite Spain, but Catalonia. Following the lengthy jail terms handed to independence leaders in Catalonia, unrest has gripped the city of Barcelona. This week, a general strike forced Barcelona to take the bus to their game at Eibar. And the Spanish Football Federation took the decision to move next weekend's Clásico against Real Madrid to a date still to be determined in December. The league may now be suing them over this decision. Well, to explain a little bit more about all of this, let's speak in Barcelona to Graham Hunter. Graham, thank you so much for joining us. First of all, what on earth is the atmosphere like there at the moment? <laughs> right now, as I look out to the busy thoroughfare that I work about, completely normal and indeed... You know, I send my youngest kid off to school every day, completely normal again. As is the case with all um, strange things in life, when darkness falls, it's a little bit different. If you're talking socially, what's the atmosphere? There is obviously a mix of outrage, uh, tension, uh, deep confusion. Uh, there are strange elements going on in what you've referred to here, which is the, the, there's been a really impressive social mass mobilising to say we're not happy, but doing so really peacefully. And by that, I mean not quite Jaro marches, but from all over Catalonia, hundreds of thousands of people have marched for two, three days and camped out and arrived in the city. And, and largely, those who want to protest about the events that have been going on have been doing so not only peacefully, but have been urging each other 
to seek to demonstrate in a way that uh, will reflect well on the Catalan community. Sadly, there are some who haven't behaved like that. Sadly, there are people who agitate who have been flown in around from around Europe. Right now, this is a functioning, beautiful city in the Mediterranean. When people clash over this issue, it has, over the last week, begun to get out of hand. The, the first impact that it's had in football terms, which is obviously the least of the concerns for many people, is the fact that uh, Barcelona had to take the bus to their league fixture uh, this weekend, which didn't seem to affect them unduly. They had a 3-0 win against Eibar. But the short-term effect, looking ahead, is the fact that El Clásico, El Clásico rather, has been moved. Till when exactly? <laughs> nice one. Did you set that up deliberately? Because I can answer you the bit about Abar. They went a day early. They trained up north. Yes, it didn't affect them whatsoever. And they moved because of a general strike that everybody tried to observe. So that was different from the classical. And that, that change of fixture has been imposed on them. They didn't want to change. It is mooted for December 18. But unfortunately, in this country, it's never that simple. Um, it shouldn't have been taken away. The security forces in this city were perfectly capable of staging a classical this weekend on Saturday in the afternoon. That could have happened. It should have happened. Now that that has gone, the idea is December 18th, but there is a, dis a really firm discussion between the Federation, who think they're in charge, and La Liga, who say they're in charge and they want two different dates. Right. So if you, if you really want to know which date it is going to be played on, probably, James, wait until the day before the classical. <laughs> then you'll know. Are the league are proposing to sue the federation over this? Yeah, there are other issues at, um, at play here. There are, there's a massive power struggle between the ex-footballer Rubiales, who's in charge of the federation, he's the president of the FA, and Senior Tebas, who's the head of La Liga. They disagree in almost everything. The principles behind it aren't simply about two men fighting over ultimate control. There are there are different gears in. In the, in the speed box that they want to move Spanish football forward and they disagree over, over almost everything and this has become this classical has become something of a battleground and I think that the fans the players and the international fans you know you, I, I guess I'm speaking to you in the UK right now there are you know hundreds of thousands of people in the UK interested in the classical there are many people who had tickets booked and travel booked for the original date now they lose out so this is an international subject, and I think that certainly the way I look at it first is what's fairest to the footballers, because they're the ones that have to go and entertain us, and then what's fairest to the fans. I don't think the Federation or La Liga are, are, are as deeply mired in that, in that order of priorities as they might be. Is that, is that, have I said that gently enough? No, no, I think that, that sounds about right. Uh, from Real Madrid's point of view, probably the longer they have before they have to face Barcelona, the, the better. They Are you shouting conspiracy? Not at all, not at all. So they had another defeat this weekend in Mallorca. They're now, what, one win in four. And again, the press are talking about uh, secret hooks, or not that secret hooks with Mourinho, and potentially Zidane being out if Real Madrid don't get the result this midweek when they're away to Galatasaray. Is that the reality of the situation? It, it it can be the reality if you if you, re, you you've watched great clubs, particularly in Italy and in the UK and sometimes in Spain, long enough to know that if you're asking for the reality, then it's a, it's an amorphous concept. <laughs> it it will move. Um, Florentino Perez is much of a Machiavellian president as anybody you encountered in your life in Italy, and therefore, right now they were naive in how they played Mallorca. Zidane rested too many, conserved one or two. Cruz didn't get the squad he could have played. Hazard, listen, there'll be a split debate about should he have been allowed to go and watch the birth of his fourth child. I think every normal person would say yes. There are hard liners who say no, he should have been playing. 
they lost in Mallorca, but had they won there, they'd have stayed top of the league. If they win against Galatasaray this midweek, they'll be back on target for Europe. If they lose to Mallorca and then lose to Galatasaray, it isn't now the dignity we're talking about. It's the fact that they might not qualify from the Champions League group. Now, that's a horror story. I can't remember Real Madrid ever doing that in the Champions League era. And therefore, yes, Zidane would be in peril. Um, I don't think Allegri will take the job. Um, I think it would be a retrograde step for Florentino Perez to appoint uh, Jose Mourinho, but he's obsessed by Mourinho. Before Zidane got the job the first time, when Benitez was sacked, Mourinho was the first call. No, I'm not coming. Before um, Zidane came back this time, Mourinho was contacted too. So Florentino Perez still believes that Mourinho has life in him. He's one of the few presidents who does believe that, but he definitely does, James. The thing that I would say for anybody listening out there to your podcast who's saying, well, should they stick on with Zidane? There are two big candidates coming down the line, neither of them are quite ready now, but might be in the summer. One is Xabi Alonso, who's coaching the B team at Real Sociedad. The other is Raul, who's coaching the B team at Real Madrid. And if, perchance, either now or at the end of the season, Zidane is cut off by his close confidant, his close business ally, Florentino Perez, then those are the two candidates that, that Real Madrid need to be looking at. Right now, it would be too soon for either of them. End of the season, just about right. And, in my opinion... Zidane should make it to the end of the season. But Florentino Perez is entitled to think differently from me, and sadly, he often does. Yeah. All right, that's, that's very interesting indeed, Graham. Uh, people who would like to hear more of this kind of thing should catch you on your podcast. Uh, do tell us more about what's currently available there. Well, I, I, I'm now going to advertise myself yep. as more of this kind of thing. Uh, because I love that phrase, and it's the big interview with Graham Hunter, the most recent episodes with Per Mertesaka. Tune in if you fancy it, at GH Podcast on Twitter. Thanks, yeah. James. The big interview. You stay safe on the streets of uh, Barcelona, Graham. And we'll... They're in much more danger from me. Don't worry about it. They're in much <laughs> okay. more danger from me. Hey, Jules. Hey, James. I know you'll be excited by that Galatasaray uh, Real Madrid game because you saw PSG go to Istanbul in the previous match day and they didn't have an easy time of it, did they? They didn't, for sure, but it was still a very convincing, controlled performance from them. I thought they were very mature in the way they went there and win, which puts them in a very strong position now when they play Bruges twice. Right. Uh, so this is the other game in the group alongside Galatasaray Real Madrid and it's the two unbeaten teams, Bruges hosting PSG. PSG, who in the meantime have now lost Neymar to injury again. Yeah. But Angel de Maria is coming through for them with the most incredible season he's what, ever had in Europe? I think so. I think even the year where he pretty much delivered the La Decima for Real Madrid under Carlo Ancelotti, playing a lot of these matches in midfield, in the midfield three, I've never seen him playing that kind of level on, on Friday night against Nice. He was just unstoppable, really. Two goals, a second assist on the, the fourth goal, the Icardi goal for PSG as well, where he's ball to Mbappe, then Mbappe cross for Icardi. But the second goal especially is just a world-class goal, like one of the goals of the season where he, he dinks the ball with his, the outside of his left foot in a very tight angle over Benitez. <laughs> He's just incredible. His movement, when he's on the ball, off the ball as well, he's just sensational. I think Tuchel will have a problem at some point when he has the five big stars that he has up front available, Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani, Cardi and Di Maria. Chupo Moting. And Chupo. 
you know, who could always be there. I mean, he played. I don't know. Didn't play, didn't do much on Friday, but he and was Julian there on the pitch. You didn't Draxler, but those big five, right. especially Tuchel, can't obviously play them all together. So he will have to pick. And I think right now he cannot not play Di Maria, who since Tuchel has arrived in all competition has been the players who has played the most games in all competition, and top top assist as well so mm. he's had an incredible impact since since Tuchel arrived OK a big game coming up next weekend after the clash with Bruges because it's the, uh, the, the Classique, Classique yeah. against uh, André Villas-Boas' Marseille who are doing slightly better now is that right? They won uh, on Sunday night against Strasbourg in what was not a very good performance but the most important was to win after four games without a win in the league so good on them they would have Dimitri Payet back from suspension on Sunday at the Parc des Princes against PSG Obviously, it's a, it's a game that they haven't won since November 2011. So wow. it's a long, long time since they beat PSG. And we see if they can do it at the Parc des Princes on Sunday. OK, PSG now five points clear at the top of Ligue 1. Elsewhere in the French top division, uh, James, Monaco got their third straight win. Remember when Monaco couldn't win a game? Wow. They can't stop winning now. They, and Slimani, especially. Right, so Ben Yedder's on eight goals for the season. What Incredible. He scored two uh, on Sunday afternoon, but Slimani is the one, really, mm. that you would never think could play at that kind of level in terms of assists and goals, because he scores as well, but... Only Kevin De Bruyne in the big five leagues has more assists than, than Islam Slimani so far in, in Ligue 1. Him and Ben Yedder can... I mean, they, they've only been together a month and they find each other with their eyes closed. It's pretty impressive to see how well they're linking up up front for Monaco. They've been a saving grace because without them, Monaco would be the bottom from the table. Wow. And Leon have a new manager, Rudy Garcia. The fans are not very happy about that. And I bet it didn't help when he only drew this weekend 0-0 against struggling Dijon. You know what? I don't, I don't recall, even in Italy, uh, you know, because sometimes there could be a bit of aggro with managers, a manager arriving in a job like that and being booed Literally, before the game started, when, the, when the, the stadium speaker announced his name, he was booed. When he walked in, he was booed. At halftime, he was booed. <laughs> and at full time, he was booed as well. Right. They had banners saying like, we will have no patience for you. Uh, literally, it was that hostile. And it's, I mean, okay, maybe you don't like the guy or you think they could have had someone better. And I, I don't know, maybe give him a chance. At least give him one game. They didn't even give him a half of football. And, you know, they drew, they played okay, but they drew. And things are going to get worse and worse until, if if he does, like results come back and they're better. But now they still haven't won in nine games now. It's, right. it's that bad. A message to you, Rudy, from the fans at Lyon. Exactly. Wow. The, just the good news on Lyon. Yeah. Garcia gave his debut today. Little genius Ryan Cherky, who is 16, two months and two days, or, uh -huh. or was on Saturday, uh -huh. who is the next big thing in French football. Literally an absolute genius of a left-footed attacking midfielder. So let's see. But it's a really good move from Garcia. I know you're laughing because no, he's not, not from Paris. So <laughs> Is he not? No, oh, so I no. can't even say my favorite Paris-born and bred kid. He's yeah. from Lyon, unfortunately. But he's an absolutely incredible talent. The name again, Jules? Ryan Cherky. And what position does he play? Attacking midfielder. He's really sensational. He's been the youngest ever player to play in the youth league uh -huh. and to score in the youth league as well, uh -huh. in, not just in France, but in all countries together. He is, he is that, that good. Is he playing for France's under-somethings? Under-everything he's played, yeah. He's okay. currently in the under-18, I think. I okay. mean, every year he was playing a year above, sometimes two years above, and he did the preseason with Lyon under Silvino, played in a friendly against Servet Genève, and then Silvino ignored him completely. And, and Garcia, in fairness, 
it's a very clever move because he knew how happy the fans would be. So it's also a move by Garcia to sort of sweeten a bit the fans saying, look, you know, you called for him because he's so good and we all know how good he is. I give you Cherki and give me back a bit of love. <laughs> Not, that you you <laughs> Not that it worked. I give you Cherki. Not that it worked. Just remember the name because Ryan Cherki is going to be amazing. Brother Fergal. <laughs> where was that right <laughs> excellent listen loads more to talk about today so after this let's get back to the midweek Champions League fixtures hmm it seems as though Serie A is a bit of a dumping ground these days doesn't it where all the Premier League's footballing flops are sent to get them off the wage bill it's literally a weekly reminder for Man United of all their very expensive mistakes but thankfully, with Paddy Power's money-back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the money-back special. Selected markets only. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGumbleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Parte immobile, la conclusione, rete! 3 a 3! 3 a 3 all'Olimpico, aveva parato Collini, ma il pallone è terminato in porta! Wow, dramatic scenes there at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome on Saturdays. Atlanta, having been 3 0 up, saw themselves pegged back by Lazio and the uh, brilliant Ciro Mobile with his penalty there. Great goal celebration as well, James, afterwards from Ciro. Yeah, he went to take off his shirt, mm. was unable to do that, James, and fell over in the process of yeah. doing it and then got booked. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificent from Immobile, who, to be fair to him, is having a great season. Nine yeah. goals, three assists. He's top scorer. He's back on the form that he was the season before last when he was Capo Canoniere. Has that ever happened to you as well, James? All the, what? I mean, I'd have to <laughs> score before I could do that, right? The funny thing was, he literally was immobile once he got yes. himself wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, very no, reminiscent of Balotelli and the bib. Right, bit, but yeah. done at high speed and mm. in front of a cheering stadium. It was, it was fabulous. But anyway, let's, we don't want to talk about uh, immobile because Atalanta have coming up an extremely big game this Tuesday, they're going to be at the Etihad taking on Man City. The big question is here, James, where are we going for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you want, guys. Well, right. You don't believe anymore that they will qualify? Or you still well, do? I believe they'll be in the group stages again next season. Of the Europa League. He's changing his version now. I felt they played very well in the game against Shakhtar at yep. San Siro. And they were, they were unlucky not only to not get three points, but to lose that game. And now they're really up against it with this doubleheader coming up against City. I suppose, you know, looking at what they did at the weekend, James, that draw feels like a defeat because they were 3-0 up and they played arguably the best football that they've played all season in the first half. They were absolutely irresistible. Um, Lazio just didn't have any kind of answers for what they were doing. And yet, you know, going into stoppage time, they were joint top of the table. This is their best start to a season since 1961. They're the top scorers in the league right. with 21 goals. And we should remember that that first half performance came without Duvan Zapata, who's a big loss, but they showed with Luis Muriel, they can kind of cope without him. Papu Gomez is in fantastic form. Mm. Four goals in his last four games, three assists as well. He was playing in a different role in this game played almost in front of the defense and I think he'll be really difficult for City to pick up and for me the game turned in the space of 42 seconds where Lazio get a penalty um, at the beginning of the second half dubious penalty in my opinion and then they kick off they give the ball away 
and Joaquin Correa goes and scores and all of a sudden it's 3-2 and it's game on and you're at the Stadio Olimpico, the crowd are behind Lazio, Lazio believe again. Um, and I think because they played so well in the first half, that's when they started thinking, you know, maybe we should not take our foot off the gas, but at least have a mind on the City game that's coming up. Can they hurt City with their football or are they a little bit too open and sort of fragile? So I think they can hurt City. I think they can definitely score against City. However, I think City can definitely score against them as well. Um, And I think that's going to be the the issue for them because, you know, Atlanta have had absolutely no problem whatsoever scoring goals, going away to the big boys and hurting them. Um, Yeah, they're the only Champions League contender in Italy. I'm talking about teams that can get into the top four who can actually go to Juventus, go to Inter. And you believe when the game kicks off that they can get something. You can't say that about Roma. You can't say that about Lazio. You can't say that about Fiorentina and those kind of teams. The issue is at the moment, they just, they're unable to either hold on to their advantage and see games out. And uh, I think that's going to be problematic. But had... You know, this game come on match day one, I'd be very bullish. I think Gasparini made a little bit of mistake after the first game against Dinamo Zagreb when he said one of his explanations for it was like, this is the Champions League. You know, it is such a higher standard than Serie A. And it's like, hang on a minute, that's Dinamo Zagreb. Right. Okay, they have, they've got more Champions ex- experience than your team, but it's still Dinamo Zagreb. And I think he's now talked up the Champions League has been such a high standard that to some extent his players think, it is difficult. And they were cagey against Shakhtar, even though they played well. They were much cagier than they are usually in Serie A. And I think that mentality, the willingness not to kind of get caught in the way that they were against Zagreb, has affected how they play in Europe compared to how they play in Serie A. To be fair, City have been using that. It's the Champions League. We don't have an experience <laughs> for, for, for almost a decade. They're currently top of the group on six points. Shakhtar and Zagreb, or Dinamo Zagreb, have three in Atalanta. Uh, so far, nothing. Group D, I can tell you, has Atletico Madrid and Juventus tied atop it with Lokomotiv Moscow a point behind and then Bayer Leverkusen having a miserable time of it at the bottom. Bayer Leverkusen visit Atletico Madrid. Uh, Atletico Madrid, who drew 1-1 with Valencia this weekend and lost João Felix to Ankle Knack. He's going to be out for, I believe, a month or so. The other game in that group, Juventus taking on Lokomotiv. Rafa, a word on Leverkusen? Bad. Right. Is the word. They're mm. not very good at the moment. Uh, they lost 3-0 away to Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt really killed them with, with um, you know, creating uh, very few chances, but taking them every single time. And Leverkusen just ultimately were once again too open. And that is the Bosch football. You know, it always gives the opposition a chance. It always is high risk. And it makes Bayer on the ball beautiful to watch and there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of fluidity, but there's huge spaces behind to attack and it just hasn't really happened for them as a team. They, they're kind of stalling and, and you'd think that uh, the winning formula they had last year when Brunt and, and Havertz combined so well, without Brunt, there is something missing at the moment. Even though they've bought pretty well, it doesn't look like a team that can really challenge against the likes of Atletico or Juventus at this right. point. Okay, Atletico, it's, it's going to be a big loss for them, no? Diego Costa scored on a penalty, Ooh. but he still scored, which hadn't happened to him uh, for a while. So that would give him a bit of of confidence, I think. But losing, yeah, losing Joao Felix, and even considering that late goal against Valencia, it's a great free kick by Dani Parejo, but they, they should have done better. They should have killed that game earlier. And he's still, you know, they're still struggling to win in La Liga. I don't think they're arriving to this game in the best of form at all. Outside the top four. Uh, 
On to Group B oh, then. Can we just have one thing on Juventus. Go on then, James. Because Jules remarked on this earlier, Cristiano Ronaldo spoke at the press conference on, on Monday and he was asked about the differences between this season and last season. And his comments seemed quite pointed about Max Allegri in that he was like, you know, we're more attacking this year. We yeah, we play that. closer to the goal. We create more. We're more confident. And it did seem to be very much like this change has been completely justified. Right. And... You know, Ronaldo scored, I think, in every game at home um, this season. And they won again at the weekend without being truly convincing. Uh, Ramsey wasn't even in the squad after picking up a bit of an injury in on over the international break. But it was, again, you see there's a positive energy around Juventus in terms of buy-in when it comes to Sarri, his tactics, his methods, um, which, again, you know, is something we were, you, me, Gab, uh, were quite sceptical about when they appointed him. Indeed, so. indeed. All right, well, they host Locomotive Moscow on Tuesday. On to Group B, where it's Bayern running away with it with six points. Then you've got Red Star on three. And then uh, Olympiacos and Spurs on one point. Spurs bottom of the group. Spurs this week hosting Red Star, Savena Svezda. It's a must-win game for Pochettino's side. But can they win it? Can they? Well, to find out a little bit more about... Uh, the visitors, Red Star. Uh, we've dialed up Kirsten Schlowitz in Belgrade of the Unusual Efforts podcast. Kirsten, thank you for joining us. Savena Svezda, they beat Liverpool last year. Can they do the same to Spurs? I mean, we've all seen how Spurs have played this season. I'm not sure that there's any team that couldn't beat them. <laughs> Sorry, Spurs fans, you're kind of a mess right now, though. But Zvezda tends to play more defensively in the Champions League, and they really tend to play more defensively when they're away. And it's also the crowd at the Maracana that helps them, I think, to get the wins. So I feel most people here are pretty much crossing their fingers for a draw. They're on a great run of form at the moment, Kirsten. Is it six wins in a row? Six wins in a row in all competitions, yes. What happened was we lost the derby to Partizan, and prior to that, Red Star had just been in horrible form, and it was like somebody flipped a switch, and losing losing the derby is just not allowed, especially for the title holders. So I don't know if uh, Milojevic just like kicked them in their arses, I guess, or if they just all kind of got charged up by not beating Partizan and now we're looking much better. It's more fun to watch. Who are going to be the key players, do you think, uh, for uh, Servanus Fezda on Tuesday? Well, it's always Marco Marin. He's the best player in the Serbian league by far. But the problem is that the team kind of depends on him a bit too much. Last year when we beat Liverpool, it was Pavkov that got the two goals, but he's not. He was supposed to move to China or something, and it didn't work out, and he's just kind of given up on this whole thing, basically. He's not performing well at all. And then we have an injured injured forward, Boyachi. So it'll all basically be depending on Marco Marin and possibly like a random goal from our really messed up defense. We had one right back licensed for the Champions League, but he's actually a defensive midfielder playing at right back and 
he's not very good at it. <laughs> he did score against PSG last season, but yeah, if Spurs target that right flank, they could definitely end up taking the points. Cushion Schlowitz in Belgrade. Rafa. Yes. So Red Star were always really bad on the road, but you actually watched Red Star taking on uh, Bayern Munich in the first match day of this of this group stage. What impression did you make of them as a potential threat to Spurs on the road? They didn't have a lot going for themselves. I think Kirsten got it right. You know, when they have to change their game and be more defensive, they sort of lose more than they gain from that. I think it, they sort of play against their own type a little bit. And yes, you know, some... Some spells in the game, you felt maybe they could get something out of it, but ultimately Bayern's firepower was just too much. And it was an easy win in the end, even if, you know, at one or two stages, it looked as if something different might happen. Would you say that Red Star are a better or worse side than Watford, for example? Um, probably similar sort of level. Oh, that I'd doesn't say. sound good. Okay. All right. Well, they are on that six-game winning streak uh, domestically, which uh, Watford are assuredly... Uh, not, but then again, they do play in different divisions. So, True. yeah, uh, let's move on then. Olympiacos taking on Bayern Munich, who are fresh from that enormous 7-2 win at Spurs last well, time. Not up. that fresh, James, because in the two Bundesliga games since, they conceded four goals. Yes. And only picked up one point. No way. Yes way. Yes, and, but given you can't play Spurs every week, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but the, despite that, there's still only one point off the top of the table because the top of the German table, Jules, have you seen? It's the entire top half. Nine teams in two points. Nine Insane. teams in two points. It is as crowded as the mezzanine yes. on a Champions League night. It's <laughs> a bit niche, maybe. Yeah. A bit niche for the audience. Right. But anyway, very, very strange Is it table. the tightest table that the Bundesliga has ever had at this stage since? Sometime? I haven't seen any stat, but, you know, it is, it is eight games played. Mm-hmm. And uh, the top nine are separated by two points. So that is that is incredible. Right. And the, the leaders at the moment are... Well, you tipped Borussia for the title. And uh, you might just be right, just not the Borussia that you were talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, Dortmund are now back uh, in terms of in touch with the leaders. Right. But the leaders Borussia. are Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah. Um, Dortmund beat Borussia Mönchengladbach in a, in a, in a big game on, on Saturday. But Gladbach could have easily got something out of the game. They created a lot of chances, played some really, really impressive football. It was the first time I really had a chance to sort of see him against proper opposition. No offense to AC Wolfsberger. Um, and they were very, very good. I mean, they, they suggested to me that sort of the only expected and hoped for improvement under Marco Rosa might not take all that long to really kick in because they were, they were great. Uh, and Dortmund were very, I wouldn't say lucky, but they they rolled their luck at times to right. to escape with that one nil win. Of course, you know they if VAR would have gone forward them in one or two moments, they might have had a different result. But anyway, Gladbach look as if they might actually be among those other three big names that we had before the start of the season as real contenders in Leipzig, Bayern, and Dortmund. We might have to make that a quartet now. Gladbach will be taking on Roma in the Europa League on Thursday. Should we'll be talk amazing about game. Which, I mean, possibly so. Possibly so. Uh, Dortmund, for their part, are involved in a huge game on Wednesday against Inter. And that will be our subject of discussion before we get onto the Europa League. But right now, Rafa, let me just ask you, what do you think the score is going to be when Bayern Munich visit Olympiakos? I think Bayern will probably win. I mean, they are, what? They are a team that... <laughs> 
can win most games even when they're not playing well. And they're not playing well at the moment. So they probably should have to march. I mean, you will probably see a reaction. You'll probably see the players not making the same kind of unfocused and unforced errors that they committed away to Augsburg when they conceded after 20 seconds and again in the 90th minute, mm. which apparently has never happened to Bundesliga before. They're buying conceded in the first and the last minute because they're obviously the the epitome of the opposite of that, which is scoring late or you know certainly not conceding very early. So... But there is a lot of stuff going on at Bayern, as there always is when the results are not 100%. Uh, right now, um, Thomas Müller, you know, there, there's a big debate about him. Should he play instead of Coutinho? He didn't have the greatest of games. Uh, perhaps Kovac missed a trick by not playing Müller because Müller had been with Bayern for two weeks training, more or less by himself because everyone else was gone, with the exception, I think, of Boateng. And Coutinho came back from Brazil a little bit tired and instead of maybe... You know, resting continue a little bit. Kovac stuck with him, stuck with his sort of uh, uh, top uh, 11, more or less, bringing Javi Martinez in. And it didn't really work out. I mean, Bayern were pretty atrocious. They scored two goals, but the football was was pretty, pretty bad. And it certainly doesn't help Kovac because his, his authority inside the club and in the dressing room is has never really been rock solid. And every bad result you've never mentioned that. Yeah, every bad result reopens those debates and ultimately comes down to this, James. I mean, what is the job of a Bayern Munich manager? He has to win games. How does he win games? Most of all by keeping everyone happy. And recently I would say over the last ten years there's been an additional criteria to that, which is to give the team a plan and ideas and give them the feeling that what he tells you as a player and as a team helps you do your job better and helps you win. Now, I would suggest that on both these parts of the job description, he still hasn't done enough, hasn't made enough inroads and in really convincing the players that he can do either. He has problems keeping everyone happy, problems with man management and problems giving them a system that really goes beyond just the individual quality that is always going to be there by. Well, on top of all of that, Mark Di Bavaria... Uh, mentions Sula's injury and asks, what does it mean for FC Bayern's winter transfer window and Burton's minutes? What do you think? Well, first of all, it's a really catastrophe for Bayern because he is the sort of the boss at the back. He's the guy that uh, they can rely on. And the defence was supposed to be built around him after Hummel's departure. Now, Hummel's departure all of a sudden doesn't look that clever, maybe didn't even look that clever to begin with, but now it's it's been brought into sharp contrast. Now you have to have... Pavar and Hernandez, who both have issues of various kinds, probably having to play in the middle um, of that back four, which then puts Kimmich back into right back, and which then doesn't give any breathers to Alaba, who's also been having issues on the left. So that Bayern defence, on the whole, looks very stretched, thin, and whether that means more game time for Boateng, it probably will mean that Bayern will bring forward and move for a, for a young centre-back, which they tried to do already in the summer, where they tried to get Karabakh, who ultimately went to Schalke. It's terrible news for Bayern and for Germany, because unlike um, Bayern, uh, Joachim Löw cannot buy the best French defenders to fill up what are considerably gaps at the back. And I think he might just have to bite the bullet and come cap in hand back to Hummels and say, you know yeah. what? all the stuff about you being out of the team forever, 
I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Come uh, back. Difficult decisions ahead then. All right. On Wednesday, we've got some absolutely massive games. Ajax taking on Chelsea for the first time ever. And Inter against Dortmund. You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Poi Boga verso il limite dell'area. Slalom destro rete. Gol pazzesco di Boga al minuto 36 nel corso della ripresa. È tutto riaperto qui a Reggio Emilia. L'Inter in vantaggio, ma per 4 a 3. Wow! I was into having a quiet time of it in their clash this weekend, Jules, with Sassuolo. Just the 4 3. It was so entertaining. A parachutist decided to come down incredible. and land on the pitch during the game. He surely kind of lost himself. No, it was an emergency landing, apparently, okay. because near uh, the Mape Stadium, there is a uh, school where you can go and learn how to jump out of planes. Okay. Mm. And he was having problems um, landing, and it was either the motorway, where there are cars driving at you know 90 kilometers an hour, or a football pitch, and he chose a football pitch. A lot of people were speculating because he had this mask on, which was blue and black, that mm. he was an Inter fan. Right, that makes sense. But um, apparently not, James. Well, Sassuolo have been in free fall for much of this season, <laughs> of course, but uh, they troubled. Uh, Conte's supposedly resolute into defence in this game. 4-1, and then they let them back into 4-3. But the good news from Inter's point of view was the partnership between uh, Lautaro and Lukaku ahead of this huge game with Dortmund. Which Gazetta is calling Lula. Nice. Because of Lukaku Lautaro. I think I've said it on this podcast before. I think Lautaro is a very smart football player. His movement is excellent. He brings the best out of whoever he is playing alongside. Both of them scored braces in this game. Um, and yeah, Inter have suffered some casualties over the international break. Um, you know, we We talked about the Debbie d'Italia, where they were without Alexis Sanchez. He then got injured on international duty, won't be back until the new year. They also lost D'Ambrosio um, when he was playing with, with Italy. So they've had to kind of reconfigure their, their back line, which, to be honest, isn't much of a problem because it means they've got a really talented young centre-back in Bastoni who plays on the left. He can move Skriniar over to the right or just play Goodine there. The issue for Inter in this game, James... Right. I was just going to mention the other injuries. Is Sensi who's going to be missing? Yeah, and they're sweating on his fitness. Um, yeah, it looked like he was going to be back for this game against Sassuolo, his old team. Um, and instead, he then suffered a relapse. And so he's going to have a fitness test, I think, uh, today. Um, and I think they really missed him in the second half of this game, where they needed someone who is able to not only help his team keep the ball, but also um, offer something between the lines um, and keep making life difficult uh, for your opponent. Because I think Gagliardini and Barella are two alike. The other thing that was, I think, problematic for them um, was uh, one of the changes that Conte made. Conte didn't speak it to the media afterwards because he's got bad flu. Um, was um, the guy they signed from Hertha Berlin, uh, Valentino Lazaro, who had an absolute shocker. And everything that uh, Sassuolo did um, to get back into that game involved him, essentially, either exploiting uh, the space that he left behind or fouls that he committed. So I wouldn't panic too much about Inter. I still, I, I still never got the feeling that Sassuolo were going to get a fourth goal, mm. let alone maybe even go and win in that game. It's no surprise, James, as we discussed with Atalanta, that two teams who found themselves with comfortable advantages going into the halftime break on Saturday and Sunday mm. then decided to 
oh, let's make some changes with Tuesday and Wednesday in mind, and they let their opponents back in. Fair, fair. Inter absolutely have to get the result uh, this Wednesday. They are lying in third place in the group. You've got Dortmund on top, goal difference ahead of Barcelona, and then Inter and Slavia Prague, three points behind, tied for last place. Dortmund, as you mentioned, Rafa, with a 1-0 win at the weekend over Mönchengladbach, part of that incredible cluster of teams. What are they, a point off the top of the table? Jaden Sancho not in the squad for the Gladbach game. Why was that? He was back late, James, from England duty. And Favre, who is uh, a pretty relaxed man in many ways, um, is also a stickler for, for discipline and had no choice, I think, certainly not in his mind, to, to draw the line and to suspend them for the game. It was interesting to hear from Michel Tort, the sports director, saying... Was it really late? Was it like a day late or...? I don't know how late he was, but he certainly was late. And then it was very interesting for Michel Tort, the sports director, to hear that, to basically hint at the fact that maybe Sancho hasn't always been perfectly on time before. He said, well, he became very big at a very young age, very quickly. Sometimes um, he's looking to find you know, the limit or the border and we have to set them for him. I see. So an educational measure, nice. if you will. But Favre and Dortmund as a team and as a club emerged as winners from that affair, if you will, because of course they won without him and everyone's now thinking they'll probably see a good reaction from him mm. uh, at the Champions League. Mm. Michel Zorg, in the Champions League, who scored last time Borussia Dortmund were at San Siro playing Inter, which was 25 years ago in the UEFA Cup quarterfinals when Inter edged past Dortmund 4-3 on aggregate. So that would be 1994. What what kind of Inter were we looking at back then, James? Well, one with uh, Dennis Bergkamp. And Wim Jonk. And uh, Wim Jonk and Ruben Sosa. Ruben Sosa. As well. They're coached by uh, Osvaldo Bagnoli. Dream. Um, Bagnoli. And there was, of course, Spider-Man. Walter Zenger at the back with uh, Zio Bergomi, Uncle Bergomi, Ricardo Ferri. Nicola Berti Nicola Berti as well Nicola Berti uh, who when he was linked with Bayern at the time famously was told by Franz Beckenbauer one Berti is already enough (laughs) with reference to Berti Vogt right (laughs) Uh, he scored his greatest ever goal against Bayern Munich uh, what would it be a couple of seasons before when that was 1989 wasn't it that was remarkable he he did a George Ware essentially oh but that's when Bayern won yeah but But, uh, we, we mentioned Bergkamp who was compared disparagingly with Marco van Basten mm. um, because van Basten was the swan of Utrecht and uh, instead of the swan Burkamp was known as the cold turkey um, because of his uh, poor performances in the blue and black of Inter and then there's Darko Pansev who won the <gasps> European sure. Cup the Cobra the Cobra who, who Inter fans called the grass snake because he was so crap <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, anyway. Dortmund, what were they like 25 years ago, Rafa? I know they were good. This yeah? was the, uh, the Otmar Hitzfeld team that mm-hmm. won that back-to-back back titles and then Champions the Champions League. League. Yeah, against Juve. Against Juve. Yeah. yeah. Wow, big game. Then this, uh, what was it, Wednesday? Are you optimistic, Raf? I'm not sure. I mean, there were some, some things that I liked about Dortmund. Uh, they stopped with that fundamentalist approach to zonal marking and now mix it up a bit more where they pick up one or two of the best headers of the ball of the opposition and the the rest of the players stay zonally. That worked a lot better. But the the problem that this Dortmund team have is because they don't play with a centre-forward. 
and even when Akasa is playing, he was injured on, on, on Saturday. Even when he is playing, he's obviously not a, a target man. So the way for them to get to goal is always through passing and through being really intricate and little movement. Now, when they create chances, these are invariably really good chances because they take their time and they play and play and play until the defenders are no longer there and then they score. But it can look a little bit too playful at times. It can lack that little bit of physicality. It can lack a little bit of urgency. And you just wonder if Inter is not a good match from, from the Italian's point of view with their more direct approach. I don't think Dortmund will necessarily lose, but I don't see them winning either. All right, that's coming up Wednesday night. As is, uh, this match should be fun, Salzburg against uh, Napoli. Salzburg, whose two matches so far in the group stages have seen 15 goals. Napoli, who have yet to concede in this year's Champions League. They met in the Europa League, actually, last season. Napoli went through despite losing 3-1 away in Salzburg. Uh, currently, the group stands Napoli on four points, Salzburg and Liverpool on three, and then Genk on just the one point. Liverpool are visiting Genk this week. Did you see that uh, Ibrahimovic gave a big interview in Gazeta on Saturday in which he said he'd watched Asif Kapadia's Diego Maradona Mm. documentary and... uh, and yeah, quite fancies one day maybe coming I back and playing. I would be Diego. And he said, I would be Diego yeah. and you can guarantee I'd sell out the San Paolo in every game. Which is, I think you can guarantee you wouldn't because <laughs> no one's ever going to sell. <laughs> That's on Wednesday in Group G. The coincidentally also called RB Leipzig will be up against Zenit St. Petersburg while Benfica take on Leon, Rudy Garcia's Leon. Zenit St. Petersburg are top of that group alongside Leon, both on four points with... Leipzig a point behind a Benfica trailing in on none whatsoever so far. I'm kind of skipping past that one because I'm really excited by what's coming up in Group H. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. And he's in! He's in! He's in! He's in! Spurs scored! No! En wordt een feest gevierd door de spelers van Spurs. Het is een nachtmerrie. Het is een absolute nachtmerrie. Nachtmerrie, indeed, for Ajax. After what had been a dream campaign, their brilliant young side knocked out of Europe by a team from London. And oh my goodness, another team from London arriving at the Amsterdam Arena on Wednesday. It's Chelsea. Extraordinary, Jules. This is the first ever meeting of these two glorious clubs. Yeah, incredible. And I mean, I don't think it could come at a better time either because Chelsea are clearly now much better than where they started the season. They're clearly on a the run. Their right. results are there. The young players like Callum Tsunodoy, the one who were injured, are back. Everybody pretty much is playing well. And Ajax haven't looked back since the start of the season anyway. It's incredible the they're run they're so on. Good. So they're unbeaten in all 17 games this season. They've won nine of their last 10 in those uh, 10 games. They have conceded one goal and scored 14. They're three points clear. It's almost like they've got rid of De Ligt. <laughs> oh, De Jong. <laughs> yeah, De Ligt has not been having the most convincing time of it uh, in Turin. But this looks like a really, really tough game for a Chelsea side who, yes, have hit some form, but Ajax look on another level. What do you think, Raf? I love Ajax because Ajax have done really well without all their big players who've left and uh, they're bringing through the new one, the new generation. I still think that Donny van der Beek is... I, it's a surprise to me that he didn't leave in the summer. I thought he was excellent in the yeah, but latter stages. Is, is, is he a €70 million Euro player? 
I think yeah, he's not, very, very special so talent. Sure. Special yeah. talent. See, Jules and I, we're yeah. outvoting you here, right? And Sorry. The, the good thing about Ajax is that they were very clinical against Lille. Not so much impressive in the way they played. They were very impressive against Valencia, though, mm-hmm. away from home, where they were clinical, but also controlled the game pretty much. You know, Valencia had some chances, but they were still quite impressive in the way they, they controlled that game. And it's just, it's hard to see how they could lose a game against Chelsea because they seem very strong in, in every kind of department. But then who would have thought the Spurs could have gone there and done what they did? Yeah, true, night? and Chelsea might go there and, and win, but I just think this is, again, credit to what Ten Hag is doing as a manager because, you know, I don't think it would have been easy to start a new team and sort of rebuild in a way without De Jong and De Ligt and La Sechona, for example, and they did, and they were so good. Also on Ten Hag, like... I don't know if you saw this story, but it was kind of briefed. I think this weekend that Ronald Koeman has a a clause. a clause in his contract for one club and one club only, and that's Barcelona. If I were Barcelona and I were changing from Valverde, the, the kind of Dutch school guy I would go for would be Ten Hag every yeah. day ahead of Koeman. I think Ten Hag would go anywhere and be incredible. I really do. I thought, for example, for Chelsea, before they, they appointed Lampard, I think Ten Hag would have been the perfect manager for their project right now. All right. Well, listen, uh, Ajax, as we say, taking on Chelsea and it should be a tough game that for Frank Lampard's side. In two weeks, the return at Stamford Bridge will not feature visiting fans. The uh, Dutch support have been banned from travelling to that after crowd trouble in their fixture at Valencia. Apparently, a lot of them have already booked their ticket, have already bought their flights. So they're all going to go and watch Late Orient instead, <laughs> who are playing that night genuinely. Um, they're all going to troop off to see them in the EFL Trophy, where they'll be taking on Brighton's under-21s. Yeah. Very good. There's still to come. Some exciting updates on the crazy world of Syria and loads of other things as well, including a bit of a hint at the delights awaiting us on Thursday in the Europa League. First of all, though, let's get some Euro odds with producer Ben. Thank you very much, Jimbo. I'm on the line with Lee Price from Paddy Power. There's no one else I'd rather be speaking to right now. Uh, Let's look ahead to the Wednesday games in the Champions League then. What's going to happen when Inter Milan take on Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, some intriguing clashes on the Wednesday night. And this is one of the highlights, surely. Our traders are priced this very closely, which you'll hear from the odds. uh, For once, the odds are quite clear here. Inter are 7-5, Dortmund are 9-5, and the draw is 12-5. So we do favour Antonio Conte's team, but... Home advantage will be a big factor there. Personally, I always fancy Dortmund, and I think the both teams to score market, it is odds on they both score, but chucked in with a result is a great way of adding value to your bet here. I quite fancy there to be goals when Salzburg take on Napoli. Do you agree? <laughs> You're clearly clued up then, because whenever you have a question like this, I always think, God, he's crazy, isn't he? And I check the numbers, and they usually, they usually back you up. In this case, it's 11 to 10 quite a short price that there are four or more goals in this fixture so you've not gone mad and it's very very close in the bet and I said the Inter Dortmund game was tight how about this Salzburg 8-5 to to win this Napoli 7-5 to we just about favour the Italian team again here and finally give us some markets please on Lille versus Valencia hands up here Ben this is a fixture I'll be steering well clear of in terms of betting I just wouldn't know where to begin uh, I was in the Valencia Stadium last season when Arsenal played there in the Europa League semi-final as a neutral, I'd like to add. But that offered me very little insight here. The numbers, however, are like this. Lille are 9-5 to win. Valencia are 6-4 to win. And the draw is 9-4. How can I translate that into words? We're properly sitting on the fence. You can find out these odds and more, listener, at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. 
Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Fun is not stopping after Wednesday because, boom, here comes the Europa League. Which game, and I know it's hard to narrow it down to just one, but which game is most exciting to you about the Thursday fixtures? Rafa. Oh, I think Borussia Mönchengladbach against Roma. Why are you so Should excited be fascinated. about that one? Well, because... <laughs> why are you laughing? Because I, I, I knew... You expected that. <laughs> I think Borussia Mönchengladbach have a, have a genuine claim to be the most exciting team in the Bundesliga right now. Certainly the, the best functioning of all the better teams. Okay. Even though they lost. Right. I know I it sounds counterintuitive. But at the moment, I would expect Gladbach to maybe do Roma. Mm. Because... Oh. Roma are struggling to score goals. Players are dropping like flies. Um, so many injuries. They've had to relay the pitches at Trigoria because players keep suffering ACL tears. Even their backup striker, Nikola Kalinic, went off at the weekend and will be out for two months. So Dzeko had to come back on almost, they were saying, against medical advice because he just had surgery on, uh, on a cheekbone injury, so he was wearing a mask. Um, so they're without Lorenzo Pellegrini, who for me has been their best player this season. He's had surgery on a foot injury. They've had... Mikatayan not fit um, as well. Chengiz Under, not fit. So I think it's it's complicated um, right. for them at the moment. A nil-nil draw for Roma this weekend. The only nil-nil draw in an incredibly high-scoring weekend. 31 mm. goals so far. Sorry, Rafa? Just one more small point I wanted mm. to make. Marcus Turam, yes. the son of Lilian. Right. He's Lilian. having a fantastic season for Gladbach. They, he could punish Roma. They convinced him to go there. Yeah. Lilian Turam went to see... Uh, the facilities, the stadium, talk to people at the club, and ultimately said, yes, this is a good place right. for my son to basically resurrect his career a little bit because it, it was like a bit goal, indifferent. So, you know, they were going down. Going Do you remember when somebody went to Lillian Turam to convince him about a transfer? Oh, yes. When he was at Palmer and, and <laughs> Lazio wanted to buy him. And there was, supposedly he was slightly, he had cold feet about this because of the, the suggestions that Lazio's fans weren't the most inclusive in no, the world. No, yeah. Impossible. So, so Lazio, <laughs> basically, the power of the ultra, he came back in, in from training and found them sitting in the dressing room waiting for him, saying, Lillian, what's all this about us, us not being an easygoing bunch? We're yeah. here to tell you that you can come to Lazio, absolutely. I mean, given we've, we've gone from Roma Gladbach to that, we should maybe go back to Roma Sampdoria, where um, Ronaldo Vieira, the England of the yeah. 21 international, was racially abused and, and Roma have come out and said that they will seek to identify and then ban uh, the uh, the fan who uh, made these chants. I mention that because not only is it abhorrent, but also because Roma, I think was it a week ago, two weeks ago, became the first Italian club to mm. basically, Juan Jesus was racially abused on social media. Um, they looked at uh, the, the post and decided to ban that fan from ever coming to the stadium, even though the incident happened on social media and not in the stadium. Right. So I think in terms of Roma being a, a club that takes this thing seriously and wants to take the lead, and I must say a number of the Italian clubs who are now run by American owners are very serious about taking leadership where there is none from the league mm. um, when it comes to this, um, even though you have these utterly bizarre kind of suggestions that were, for example... Gravina, the head of the Italian Football Federation in La Repubblica today, talking about using sonar to uh, identify 
um, those who make racist chants. How would you do that? I have no idea, James. But yeah, this is his new idea. I'm all for embracing technology so and, 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 and using any, emanating any kind of submarines. Well, that's the thing. This game was played in Genoa, so maybe it was some uh, kind of marine uh, life. That was I suppose it's for detecting exactly where this kind of audio is coming from. Uh, these yeah, kind I mean, of we're signals. Laughing, but maybe you can do that. Maybe. maybe. And uh, as as we say, we're all for using technology to tackle this issue. Right. Um, but still, um, yeah, um, shouldn't be happening in the game. Hopefully, we'll see more banning orders, more prosecution. We'll talk more about the exciting Europa League fixtures coming up because I just wanted to, since we touched on Sampdoria Roma, that was, of course, the game which saw Claudio Ranieri debuting on the Sampdoria bench. He's picked them up bottom of the table, see if he can work his magic there. He wasn't the only new manager in action this Nor was he the only manager celebrating his birthday because right. the other new manager doing that was Stefano Pioli. Right. Now, he was at Milan, who Sunday night at San Siro hosted Lecce. And, I mean, you could, your glass can be half full or half empty on this one. I'm, I was kind of half full about it, even though they only ended up drawing 2-2 with, with Lecce. Yeah, and I think you have to look at it as um, they conceded a penalty again, fourth this season, and um, ultimately Calderoni, who got the equaliser in the 92nd minute. Gregor. It's a worldie. And uh, it's great because he says, I closed my eyes and just hit it. And uh, he played on the Pioli 10 years ago when Pioli's Piacenza side were in a relegation battle against Pisa and his goal kept Pioli's side up. Yeah. So the, the, a bit of a kind of... Yeah, coming not full circle, but certainly uh, yeah. twist of fate here. Interesting. Of. We might have another new manager soon. Indeed, another new manager at Genoa because at Genoa, the club got beaten 5-1 by Parma. Yeah. And it uh, looks like Aurelio Andrea Zoli is going to be out. And who are they talking about as his replacement? <laughs> Tiago Motta. Tiago Motta. Does he have badges and that? He, he passed his badges. Okay. He has everything. He obviously was with PSG on the 19 last season. Turned obviously. out that, yeah, because yeah, I think he's. I say obviously because he has said for many years now that he was going to be a manager, okay. and that he clearly has everything to become a, a good manager. I think he might not be the best ever, but I think he has everything to be there. The problem in Paris was that his team played really, really good football. They had good results, but he needs, I think, a structure and a project where the ownership really believe in him and what he wants to that do. That sounds like Preziosi. Yeah, that's why I'm not sure. <laughs> this is the great thing that's about That's why I'm not last. sure about Genoa is the right team. But in Paris, certainly, he wanted to go in the direction for his youth team that uh-huh. maybe the club didn't want to. The club ended up scrapping the reserve team, for example, and, and keep on in the under-19. He was not happy with it, so he had to go. But that's why I'm not sure Genoa is, is for him, but, but good but, luck to I him. Mean, just, just quickly on this. So it looked like Andrea Zoli was going to get sacked before the international break. And then basically Pioli went to Milan, Ranieri went to Sampdoria, and he's like, oh, fine, you're safe. Uh, and then they lose this game, and he's like, oh, it's fine, I've got, I've got an agreement with Francesco Guidolin, it's fine. But I'm going to go and meet Massimo Carrera as well. I think <laughs> I'll have dinner with Carrera. And then it's, Carrera's going to get the job, and he's like, oh, just a minute, Tiago Motta's at Coverciano for a conference with Beppe Iacchini. I'm going to call him as well. Oh so any of these managers must yeah. be like, do you really want me? <laughs> right. If you'd like a little bit more background on uh, exactly why Preziosi is such a dream to work for, <laughs> uh, there's a Golazzo which features mm. uh, Gab Marcotti's um, appreciation. Glowing. Glowing, <laughs> yeah. Glowing <laughs> appreciation. Uh, let's see. All right, great. Uh, James, do you want a Europa League fixture? 
Um, what about I, mean, I was with Rafi on. What about uh, Celtic Lazio? What are Lazio going to do at Celtic Park? That's a good one. Well, I mean, yeah, Lazio. I think uh, have looked good this season, even though they haven't got the results. I think their performances have deserved um, because they were excellent against uh, Samp. They certainly deserve to win the derby against Roma when they hit the woodwork four times. And with Immobile in this kind of form, um, it's going to be difficult for any defence to stop that Lazio team from scoring because I think Milinkovic and Luis Alberto, who we raved about the season before last and then had an off year, they're back um, and they look very good. Um, so I think it's going to be it's going to be a complicated one for uh, for, for Celtic. Okay. Jules, finish us off can with I, an amazing Thursday night game. Can I pick Porto Rangers? Okay. Which I think would be a great game. Uh, good luck to Stevie G to go there. Porto, who uh, showcased, again, one of their, their young prodigy from the academy at the weekend in uh, Fabio Silva, a prospect from the academy, who's 17, a striker, who scored his, his goal in the uh, Portuguese Cup against Coimbra. It does sound like you've just kind of put in generic name for Portuguese prodigy. No, no, I mean Fabio it, Silva. Well, that's that's his name. You right. know, his name so, his name is Fabio he's one, Silva. He's seventeen, but no, he's he's really really 70. talented. <laughs> he's right footed. <laughs> he's he's one meter eighty five, and he's really really good. He doesn't so, know which is his favorite foot: his right might, foot or his left foot, because he takes the penalties <laughs> with his right and then with his left. That is Usman Dembele. That is Usman Dembele. And Fabio Silva is not from Paris. He's not a Paris bread <laughs> boy. However, he's very talented. So we might see him against Rangers. I'm just saying to Rangers fans who are listening yeah. to us, mm-hmm. in case you see him on the you know in the in the Porto team, just Brand. watch out. He's a very talented uh, prospect. Okay, you can see the action from that and all the all the many Europa League games in the BT Highlight Show, which you'll be part of, I believe. That's right, James, this Thursday? Justo, justissimo, James. Right, okay. Yeah. That was three nights in a row at BT, because Tuesday and Wednesday will be goals showing it mm-hmm. in company of yourself and Rafa and me. Jules, you not so much. Cause you're <laughs> I'm here with you on Tuesday. I'll be on RMC Sport. No, Jules, I'll be Jules is like on French television for all our listeners who have French television. Jules is like the boy band guy who goes solo. Yeah. Right. You know? I'm, he released, I'm sorry. He released you know, his terrible... Gonna, Freddie Mercury. You know how I feel about this. <laughs> he released his gonna, terrible first <laughs> album and then he comes back. <laughs> Where are you going to be on Wednesday? <laughs> on RMC Sport in France. No, but so. doing what? Uh, doing Champions League. Uh, the English clubs in the Champions League for them. Okay. Well, so you're not even at a game? No, I'm in the studio. I mean, you know, you, you have to show this face. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you do. Uh, so, all right, well, uh, we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday, at least, Jules. Yes. Uh, listener, I hope that was of some uh, interest to you. Many thanks for being with us. Totally returns on Thursday to round up all of those uh, European games, at least the ones that have already been played. And we'll be back next Monday. For now, many thanks to James Horncastle, Julian Laurent and Raphael Honigstein and producer Charlie. And we'll catch up with you soon. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>